Hello, friends. Welcome to the Relationship 411 podcast. I'm Jennifer. And I'm Kevin. We've been married for 25 years, and we've seen the best of times, and we've seen the worst of times. We also have four awesome kids who are growing up and leaving our nest. We've loved doing this podcast, and we're excited for it to continue. We don't have it all figured out, but we do have a lot of life experiences. Since becoming a life coach, I'm so excited to share with you the tools I've learned to help you in this journey we call life. So today, Kevin and I are going to do a Q&A. Um, we've gotten various questions sent to us through email, and so we want to like give viewers the opportunity to have their question answered. And we're kind of winging this. so we're This is raw. <laughs> but I think it's going to be fun. Um, if you have any questions you want us to answer, any problems, we've done full podcasts on some of our questions. These were just, we thought, would be a few minutes to answer. But you can email me at jennifer at relationship411podcast.com, and we will create another opportunity to do a Q&A. So, Kevin, our first question okay. is from Lisa. Good. How do you deal with erectile dysfunction in your marriage? <laughs> wow, right out of the chute. Thank you, Lisa. Well, okay, so let me just say um, we keep all things real here. I, I'm going to tell you that it's a huge deal. And I think that it has issues. I've seen it in my family where people can't talk about it. It affects their sex life. It affects their relationship. Um, I think guys will feel weird about talking about it. I mean, it's advertised like every 30 seconds on any sports channel you see. <laughs> so for hell's sake, we should be able to talk about it more. But it still is embarrassing. You feel like maybe less of a man if you've got this. But like, here's the first thing I'm going to tell you. One, I would make sure that you go get checked by a doctor because that could be another issue that leads to something else, right? It could be that you've got ED issues because it could be like blocked arteries, things like that. There could be cholesterol things that are building up and it's like, oh my gosh, I'm glad that I discovered that. It's like that. a warning sign. It was the canary in the coal mine, yeah. you know, potentially with that. And so I think that would be something good. And then I think that there's a myriad of things that you can look at from medicines to take, talk to your spouse about it. Talk, you know, if, if you can't talk to your spouse, but go talk to your doctor about it and say, hey, you know, you can either hit it on with very correct uh, terminology. Or you can say, you know, doc, I'm having a hard time getting some wood. Uh, <laughs> or you can say whatever your deal is, is to say, I think you just hit it head on. And I think that you'll feel better. I think your sex life will improve. And, and I, I'll tell you this, what's not going to help is to probably have a nagging wife telling you to go get into your damn doctor to go take this, you know, threatening, nagging, that, that's never working. You know, that would be like him putting two hands in your back and saying, why don't you do blank? You know, whatever it is that he wants to have done. But I think talking about it, realize that it could be a bigger medical issue and that there's a ton of medicines that can deal with that or procedures that they have now. And that it's pretty dang common. Yeah. And, and the thing is, I'll say it doesn't matter what your age is. I think for some guys, it might be, oh, I just can't deal with the fact that I'm aging. It might not be. I've got a buddy of mine that um, he had low testosterone. You think like that's always the thing for like older people. He had low testosterone in his 20s. And so it's like that was just a medical condition that he had. And, you know, that I'm sure that probably spilled over into things in the bedroom as well. So I say just go get it dealt with and addressed. And yeah, it and it's, it's nothing. There's nothing wrong with you. There are 30 million men in the United States that have erectile dysfunction. So there's yeah. a lot of people. I mean, and that's it, like roughly, you know, 9% of the population of the U.S., but, and that's just what we know about. They're, those are yeah. probably ones that are being treated. 
there's probably double that at least that aren't even talking about it. Right. And yeah. it does increase between ages 40 to 70, but just own it, figure it out. And I like what Kevin said about it could be a sign of something else. And they also, some other things, stress. I mean, we know how much stress we have in this world and we're all under a lot of stress. So that may be your issue or another emotional trauma or something or heart disease, high blood pressure, diabetes, a myriad of different things. So yep. I just I just definitely think it's something, get checked out and there's nothing wrong with you and it's okay. Yeah, yeah. It happens to everybody, right? We all age, just age better. Yeah. I mean, that's it, that's simple. Yeah, so you can have a great sex life. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Lisa. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so another question John asked about disclosing difficult information to your spouse. And he has a thought that it's really hard to do that. Do you have any comments about that? So disclosing difficult, difficult information. Like I'm okay, so not I'm knowing what I'm cheating on is. you or I'm addicted to pornography or yeah, yeah. I mean it could be a lot. Just I, tough conversations to have with your spouse. How do you do that? John, that's a great question. I'm going to tell you that we're probably not totally masters on this, but we definitely have had very very hard conversations and we jokingly say a lot of people emotionally snorkel and we're like, we've done like 300 meter cave dives in the dark with difficult conversations. Um, I would say that, you know what, you just kind of have to realize it's going to be hard, but I think by having that hard conversation for however long it's going to be is better off than like living years and weeks and months and years and decades with whatever shit you're trying to not be or who you are or trying to be somebody else or hiding something. It's like to have a conversation and get it over, it's freeing and it can be hard. And then you've got repercussions that come of that, but you're like, at least I got it out. The cat's out of the bag. And what we have said is that having harder conversations, like we're never putting that genie back in the bottle. Yeah. Like we're going to keep having hard conversations even if you don't want it. But babe, mm. what would you say to that? Yeah. Well, when I read this, I thought of Brene Brown I love what she said. She says, owning your story can be hard, but not nearly as difficult as spending our lives running from it. Mm. So really owning it and speaking it, embracing our vulnerabilities is risky, but not nearly as dangerous as giving up on love and belonging and joy. The experiences that make us the most vulnerable. Only when we are brave enough to explore the darkness will we discover the infinite power of our light and owning our story and loving ourselves through that process is the bravest thing we'll ever do. So be brave, own your story, and you'll become connected to whoever you're sharing your story with. It's possible. Yeah, yeah I mean, it is. I mean, it depends upon how that person receives it. That's true. And you kind of have to be prepared to say, and I would say I'd preface it always with, you know, spouse, you let me know when you're in a position that we can... I need to have a very serious conversation about something that's extremely difficult to talk about. I don't care if it's tonight. I don't care if it's whatever. I can recall talking to my in-laws, for example, when we just found out that their son passed away. And we were told first, and I called my father-in-law at the office, and I said, Dad, um, I need you to get home, and I need you to be with Mom. We have some information that we need to deliver to you and we want both of you to be together and be prepared for some stuff that we need to have that's going to be a hard topic. And I think that when we can do that as a couple is you prepare the other person say, you tell me when you're ready 
to have this conversation. You might need to put kids to bed. You might need to go get a hotel someplace. You might need to be alone. You may need the mountains. I don't care where it is, but like be in some place and make sure they're in a headspace. Yeah. They could have had a shitty day at work. The kids could have been yelling at them. They have no place to hear whatever you're doing or whatever. Yeah, I think that's great. And I remember when you and I first got married or when we were dating, you disclosed some things to me. And I remember, I think that's so important. If there's anything that you need to talk about before when you I get lived married. with a girlfriend before we got married, like whatever it was. Like I, I just kind of like dumped a bunch yeah. of stuff, not knowing how you'd react. Yeah. I might've broken up with you. Mm. I might've left, but it gave me some time to process. Okay. Am I okay with this? And yeah. so, you know, I think that's important to disclose different things before you get married because there's nothing worse than finding out, you know, hey, 10 years ago, I could have shared this. But anyways, I, I just think, and along the way, because things are going to happen yeah. on both sides that you might need to talk and about. And once you have a hard conversation, I think it becomes a little easier to have hard conversations. Again. Yeah. The first and, one's the hardest. Yeah. And owning your story. Kevin and I have had to learn that um, the past few years. We've really had to own our truth own it for our kids. And I think it's really brought our whole family closer with each other by owning our truth about our story. Yeah. So thanks, John. Okay. So JC, how to show love to each other when you have different love languages. For example, my husband thrives on physical touch while I thrive on acts of service. How do we find balance? And first of all, JC, we have done a podcast on this, on the five love languages. So you can go back and listen to that. But you know, how, what do you think advice we could give JC? So she feels love one way and her husband feels it another way. Yeah, it's tough. And like one of you speaks Russian, one of you speaks Japanese. I think, you know what, for me, what I've tried to find is to say, our, my initial reaction when, when it comes to the love languages, I want to show you I love you in the way that I want it to be shown. Instead, I just reverse that and say, okay, let me get into your head. Like you want words of affirmation. So let me go buy you a card right on there. That would mean shit to me. If you write me a card, like I tear it open and I throw that card away. You keep every card, every flower that I've ever written a card on. Like you keep them all and we'll be dead. And our kids will say, oh my gosh, dad must have been a florist, you know? But I would say I have to go to you with that. And so if if one's acts of service, just think, how am I going to do that? And then I, I would communicate that. I would say, you know what, a spouse with acts of service, I'd say, I want you to know I did this because I love you. I know that your love language is acts of service. And so I was doing something that hopefully you see and feel my love in that, right? Imagine the grandma, the Italian grandma makes her spaghetti. Hey, oh, it's, it's my, the family <laughs> recipe, yo. And, and she makes it not because she loves tomato sauce. It's because that's how she's showing her love. So imagine she, she grabs her kids and tells them, I make this because I love you. I hope you feel my love in that sauce, you know? Why not communicate that in the same way? Yeah, and I think finding ways that feel comfortable to you, that you're able and willing to do, and do it because you love them. And I think as you practice, it gets better and easier, and you'll become more fluent in that love language. Yeah, and, and with the physical touch component is to say, you know what? Find out what you're feeling comfortable with. You know, is physical touch always sex? Is it just intimacy? Is it like... We're going to have a bath together. Is it going to hold hands? Are we going to like love on each other and like rub each other and rub your head, rub your back while we're watching a movie or we're out in public, we're holding hands and just say, why not say to the other person to say, 
I hope you feel my love. Like when yeah. I'm like, babe, does that feel good? Like good. I hope you feel my love with every tickle and scratch I give you. you know? And do it because you want to. Don't keep score and say, well, I did three seventeen acts tickles of <laughs> to your one. Yeah, one act of service. Like you know, don't keep score. That's not going to be a recipe for a successful marriage. But do it because you want to show love to your spouse, and you know that that's how they feel the love. And hopefully they will then reciprocate. Yeah, if you they, fill their cup, they'll yeah, fill your cup. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be a win-win. Okay, Devin, I'd love to hear you guys talk about the dynamics of a young couple getting ready to welcome their first baby and how that affects their relationship. Oh, shit. <laughs> so it's so interesting. Kevin had no experience. And I'm going to say zero experience taking care of children I'm gonna tell you, honestly, having a baby. I think I held one baby before we had a kid. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And it was like not for hours or weeks or days. It was just like seconds. For <laughs> it's probably for seconds. Totally. So Kevin was literally not super comfortable with being a father. And and I don't know if we did did a great job of like having a conversation about what we needed and what would work for us. Um, and I felt very comfortable in motherhood as far as like taking care of a baby, my abilities with that. I so I kind of took it over. And I thought I'd like to see it when they're teenagers. Yeah. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Kevin, when they could start walking and talking, he did much better. But I think having the conversation, especially if you're going to be newly parents, having a conversation, talking to your wife like, hey, how can I help? What do you need from me? Just having open communication, maybe having a time you know, every day you take the baby for an hour. I don't know. Just figure out something that works for both of you because, you know, if the wife is nursing or whatever, she's going to be more with the baby. Yeah. Like figure out like, what do you expect of me? Mm -hmm. Like, what can I, what can I do? How can I show up as a supportive spouse, as a, a supportive husband? Yeah. I think being honest to say, you know, I'm not totally comfortable with this. I mean, I, I have changed diapers that like, I didn't know how to do it right. Like you might think, how do you know how to change a diaper? I didn't. Um, putting the girls like, what are those pull-up things over yeah. their diapers? Oh, yeah. The <laughs> Whatever those things are. I put like the ruffles instead of on the back. I put it on the front. It made sense to me. And you're like, who keeps putting this on backwards? Like, well, that's me. Um, didn't know how to feed a yeah. bottle. I mean, you just name it. And I think noticing instead of just picking apart, like if I were to pick apart Kevin, you did this wrong. Just be grateful they're helping. Like find the the gratitude and the meaning behind it, the love behind it, as opposed to judging them or saying you're doing this all wrong. You don't know how to do it. Um, my way's better. Yeah, my way's better because really there isn't a right way or a wrong way to change a diaper or to feed a baby or a myriad of other things. It's been a while since we've had babies, but. So I just think having the conversation and as the woman communicating your truth, not just what you think your husband wants to hear. Yep. So if that's an issue for you, which would have definitely been an issue for me, to try to be brave and say, this is actually what I need. And um, I just need a break to go to the grocery store. I just need to be by myself and not have anyone hang on me. Or I just need to go sit out in my car for 10 minutes and or just take a... 30-minute nap or whatever. Just speak what you need and just have that open dialogue. And I think you can, you'll can. you be far above and, and with that, better I than us. Right. I, I would say with that, too, is to figure out timing. Yeah. Right? I mean, if he or she has been out all day working and all of a sudden, as soon as you hit the door and, like, the baby's in your face and it's like, that's yours now. It's yeah. like, wow. <laughs> I mean, I haven't had a time to decompress either. It's like 
figure that out. It might be, hey, once you get home, like, would it be cool if I, I want to take a bath tonight and just really find my chi. I'm going to go to bed early tonight or, you know, can you take the baby on a walk or whatever it is. It's like, yeah, just have that conversation as to say what your needs are and why. And then I would tell you too, is make sure that you continue to act as, as a couple and not as all of a sudden you instantly become just mom and dad is that you have to continue to work on your relationship and continue to work on you, right? Make yourself good and better and whole and healthy and work in your relationship. Otherwise you've got nothing to give that kid. Yeah. And making sure you each have that equal opportunity mm-hmm. of time. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, what would, uh, Devin. Devin. Thanks, Devin. Okay. Hannah, we would love to hear an episode on setting and achieving relationship goals. And we did do a podcast on goals on a few weeks ago, but I think, I mean, Kevin, and I really have in the past few years really worked on this and having goals as a couple So finding something that you really are interested in together, writing them down, talking about them. What do you think? Yeah, dreams. I love dreaming with you. Yeah. You know, I think that it's fun and having goals and working together. A lot of times when I look back and think probably moments where we uh, struggled was probably we didn't have congruent goals. Yeah, we were kind of living separate lives together our goals were always our kids, but we weren't focused on doing anything together. Well, I well, I think much. we did. No, I think we, we did. did. We, def- we definitely did things together, I would say. I just don't know if we had, like, intention or why are we doing this. So that's right. not a goal. Right. It's like we just showed up for a date night. Why well, I don't know. We're supposed to do a date night. Yeah. You know, or or we're going out. Why we haven't been out in one in a while. Yeah. As opposed to thoughtfully and meaningfully do that. That's what a goal is, right? Something written down, strived for, worked towards. And um, so I think those are fun. Dreams are great to have. Keep those alive. Um, always be dreaming. Always be goal-oriented, I think. And, you know, you get someplace. Otherwise, yeah. you're rudderless and, and paddleless on a, a river or ocean that's just tossing you around. Yeah, and you can do different goals throughout your life and throughout your marriage. It can be a physical goal. It could be a money goal. There's so many different types of goals, but just having that communication. And I think, you know, Pick one or two. Don't pick a lot because then you can stay focused and do that and say, hey, we're going to do it for a year or a time frame too. Yeah, fine. Yeah, I think that's great. But check out that podcast, January 3rd, 2022. Colton asked, he wants to know how to build emotional, spiritual, and mental strength in a relationship. And we also did a podcast on this, on four ways to connect with your spouse, September 27th. But do you have anything else to add to help Colton. And for ways to connect with your spouse. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of ways to connect your spouse. I think love languages is key. I think asking big open-ended questions um, and finding out why's on stuff. Um, this thought just occurred to me. This is kind of crazy, but like particularly, let's say if you're newly married, I think we did this. We created like a jar. Do you remember this, babe? Like we created a jar and I think we had questions in there and we asked each other a question like mm. every day for like I don't know, like 90 days or like 90 questions in this. And it was everything from like, what was your favorite group as a kid? What Saturday morning cartoons did you watch? Uh, that's when they probably had Saturday morning cartoons, like <laughs> we're old people. But, you know, all these different things is to, you know, what's your favorite place to eat? You know, where's a place you'd like to go visit when you're older? Like whatever, and it, that helps connect us. That's kind of fun. Yeah, so I just think talking, um, communicating, you know, listen to that podcast because it was really good. But it is really important to find ways to actually connect. And connection is a feeling. So if you're not feeling connected to your spouse, try to figure out why. What are you thinking? Are you resentful? Are you thinking something? So 
try to figure that out. Pay attention to what your thoughts are that you don't feel connected yeah. to your spouse. Okay, Jen, what is some advice for couples who are transitioning from kids at home to empty nesters? What can we do to strengthen our relationship as our family unit dynamic is changing? So, I mean, this is right where our family is, right? Is this Jen you? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> you sn- you snuck in your own. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so what would you, I think that's a great question. And candidly, this is a huge, huge thing where couples get divorced. There's a lot, all of a sudden, I think that's like, we've spent our whole time being mom and dad and we've maybe neglected our relationship a little bit. I built a career, you built a career, whatever the deal is. And all of a sudden you look at each other and you're like, I don't even know who you are. I don't even know if I like you anymore. Um, We've got to rebuild this thing. That happens a lot. And it's like, those are the people that you see like, what happened to them? Like they were married for 35 years and they divorced. Swear to you, true story. I had uh, I went and saw my doctor years ago, and he told me about a couple um, that were, I think he was 96, and she was like 93, and I think he said something about they were getting divorced. I said, you're kidding me, and he goes, no, he said, that guy said, like, I've been married to her for like 70 years. I am not going to leave this earth <laughs> married to her. And I thought, that is terrible. That is terrible. So it, it happens, right? Yeah. So what's it, what's some advice that we would give uh Empty nesters, kind of. Well, I just think start finding opportunities to spend time with your spouse because it's pretty soon it's going to be you, the two of you together. So finding ways to connect, to spend time. Now you don't have to have babysitters, um, so you don't have to worry about that because chances are all your kids are old enough. And finding things that you enjoy doing together. And if you don't know, brainstorm Look on the internet. You can find all sorts of ideas and just start paying attention and doing things and, you know, talking about what do you want your future family to look like with the in-laws. And one thing that I loved this advice is if our kids end up getting married to learn to love them ahead of time. And I really like to love the the son or daughter. Yeah. Yeah. The daughter-in-law, like just love them. If your child is going to love them, you love them already doesn't matter who they are, what they are, just love them. And I think that just goes so far in your relationship with your extended family and the new family you're creating. Yeah, I'm going to say to Jen that I heard someone say this one time, and this would be for someone who, if you've been working outside the home and you think that you're going to retire now and come home and be with that person all the time, This person said, when we got married, we said for better or for worse, but never for lunch. (laughs) Like you've got your life, I've got my life. And I think that if you just magically think you're coming back home and you're just going to yield into their life, it's like, where have you been for 35 years? Like I've been here raising kids or whatever. So I would say one, I love your idea of, of finding things to connect with one another, but I would also say maintain your own individuality. You don't have to spend every second of the day with one another to still have a great, healthy relationship. Yeah, and you shouldn't because you, shouldn't. You, you are two individual people. But just finding a balance, having, you know, communicating, talking about it, figuring out what that looks like. Yeah, find, create meaning. Yeah. Do, do we find some value in uh, volunteering together? Do we find some value in traveling together? Do we love picking different restaurants? Like, I think all of a sudden you can get very, very creative with that because you've got some time. Um, you know, it's only the two of you now rekindle that romance and relationship. You know, it's just the two of you watching different movies together, uh, 
just kind of spicing that kind of thing up and not getting in a rut that maybe you, you got into for a number of years, mm-hmm. um, I think that's going a long way. Yeah. Okay, I think this is going to be our last one for this Q&A. Um, Chris asked, suggestions in marriage to break the silence when arguing with a spouse and you have gone days without speaking and are at a stalemate. Um, we also did a podcast about this, How to Fight Fair, October 25th. So go look that up. But October 20th, 2021. <laughs> yeah, 2021. So do you have any suggestions? Like, what do you think? Well, Anything we, come off the top of your head? That's never happened to us, Chris. I'm just going to tell you that. No, man, this is what I, this is honestly, um, I think that what happens is that when I look back at those moments, you know, the one time that this has ever happened, Chris, I'm just kidding. It's a, it happens to everybody, right? I think that what I look at is that you're pissed off in the moment. And I want to let that other person know, I am so pissed off. I don't want you to touch me in bed. I don't want to talk to you. I'm going to slam some shit around. I'm opening up cabinet doors. I'm a little louder. I'm huffing and puffing, getting out of the house. I'm not talking to you, though. And I'm, and I'm going to go all day. I'm going to show you. I'm going all day, and I'm going to see who can hold out the longest. before. And all of a sudden, it becomes a competition. And all of a sudden, what happens is, for me, it's like, why am I so pissed off? And why am I so angry? We're not getting anywhere. We already know that we're mad at each other. And it takes one person to say, you know what? And generally, it's been you probably, babe. Like, <laughs> can we talk? Can we be friends? That's my Jennifer voice. Um, and I would say yes. And then you get frustrated. You know, one out of 10 times, I'm that person that comes to you and say, can we talk? Can we be friends? But I think as soon as you do that, it lets the guard down. And I think someone just has to do it. And yeah. it doesn't matter. And I think sometimes we get so caught up in who's right and who's wrong in the argument that we lose sight of like, oh, actually, we love each other and are married. And so sometimes it doesn't matter who's right or who's wrong. You know, we didn't, by not talking to each other, we didn't solve or do anything. But No, oh, and sometimes you look back and think like. You can't even remember what you were fighting about. I know what we were about. fighting about. Like, I'm just, now I'm just pissed off to be pissed off. And I'm just trying to see how long I can go. And yeah. it's like, it's weird. And then if, if it is a big issue that does go on for days like this and you're not talking, again, I think just breaking the science and say, look, this isn't getting us anywhere. Yeah. Or, you know what, we need to come to grips and talk. Like, when you let me know when you are ready to talk, but I'm ready to talk. Like, someone yeah. just has to break right. the silence. Yeah. So I appreciate that question because I think every marriage has moments like this. So thanks, everyone, for sending us in your questions, and hopefully we gave some helpful answers to them. Um, If not, go and listen to the podcast that we have already shared about these topics. If you want more relationship tips, get on my email list, lifecoachgen2.0 at gmail.com, or go to my website, relationship411podcast.com, and sign up for a free consultation to get more personal help with your relationships. As always, follow us at Relationship 411 Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And remember, we promise to give you the 411 about relationships. So you don't have to call 911 for yours. 